Hello, my rebels. Today I talk about that bizarre child porn movie on Netflix called Cuties. But even worse than what Netflix did is the reaction to it and the defense of it by liberals, especially male feminists. It's the worst. I, you know, I wish you could see the video of it in a way I wish you wouldn't have to, but it makes the point. And you can see the video version of this podcast by becoming a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. Just go to rebelnews.com, it's eight bucks a month. You get the video version of all these podcasts, plus access to Sheila Gunn-Reed's videos and David Menzies' videos. And today, which is such a visual story, I I think it really helps. Anyways, uh, I hope you do subscribe. Until then, here's today's podcast. Tonight, a new child sex movie by Netflix has given quiet pedophiles an excuse to step out of the shadows. It's not good. It's September 14th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I remember when Ontario introduced its new child sex curriculum about five years ago. It was shocking. It was full of extreme propaganda, but mainly what was shocking about it to me was how young it was aiming. It started sexualizing students in grade one. Those are kids who were just six years old. Insane concepts like teaching both boys and girls technical sexual words in grade one. There's no scientific or educational purpose behind that other than to normalize children of tender years thinking about sexuality and being comfortable with adult sexual conversations. It was 100% about grooming children, which is a word that means breaking down their own natural instincts of privacy and modesty and their parent-taught or religious-taught cautions about sex and sexuality. That's what pedophiles do. And I think it surprised absolutely nobody when the former Deputy Minister of Education in Ontario, who oversaw the child sex curriculum development, when he was charged and convicted of pedophilia. He was a sexual predator who tried to arrange sexual meetings with young children, and he even boasted online that he wanted to have sex with his own grandchildren. You'd think the curriculum would have been immediately ripped up, thrown out as a fruit of that poison tree, but of course it wasn't. But look how far we've fallen in those short years. This little boy has one of those pageant freak moms who normally go insane about their daughters entering beauty pageants at very young ages. But in this case, he's a boy and his parents started sending him to drag queen events when he just turned six. He's being turned into a TV star, normalizing the trans lifestyle in children of tender years. I'm talking about kids who are so young You would never let them ride the bus on their own. You'd never let them drink a cup of coffee. They still don't quite tie their shoelaces properly, but they've been fully sexualized by the mainstream media and society. That's grooming. Getting other young kids to think of themselves as sexual a decade before they're mentally or socially or even physically ready, let alone morally ready. It's so gross, but it's everywhere these days. And now it is on Netflix. Here's Netflix's latest movie. It's called Cuties which is a deliberate word choice. Cuties are what you call cute little things, babies mainly, tiny juvenile things, pre-adult things like a 
like a baby chick. Oh, that's a little cutie. What this is doing is stealing the inherent innocence of the word cutie and stretching it to cover over the sexualization of very young prepubescent girls who are being sexed up. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not pedophilia. They're just, they're just cuties. Get over yourself. Netflix did this. It's so, so gross. Sorry, how, how is that not child pornography? There's no actual sex in the movie, but how is this hypersexualization of minors being mainstreamed and marketed in the world's premier movie streaming service? Just one day they decided to go full pedophilia. They thought the market was ready. Desmond is Amazing has been softening up cultural mores for a few years, and Ben Levin-style hypersexual school curriculums have been around for a few years. Let's just push it a bit further. Naturally, moms and dads were shocked. Netflix actually apologized, but not for the movie, which remains on. They, they just apologized for how they marketed it. We're deeply sorry for the inappropriate artwork that we use for Mignon's cuties. It was not okay, nor was it representative of this French film which won an award at Sundance. We've now updated the pictures and description. Yeah, they, they marketed it by showing clips of the movie. It was the clips that were shocking. The clips are a part of the whole film that remains up. How can you be sorry for that when you're not sorry about the main thing? There was a move by some to can cancel Netflix, a bit of an online movement, but I doubt that'll happen any more than people will actually cancel their Disney Plus subscriptions because their new movie Mulan was filmed outside the Uyghur concentration camps in the Chinese province of Xinjiang. And Disney actually thanks the secret police in Xinjiang for their help. Yeah, look, Disney, Netflix, they're almost as big in their own worlds as Facebook and Google. You can't quit Disney or Netflix. They're larger than a country by some measures. It's like saying you're not gonna drive on roads anymore. It's not gonna happen. Now, some US lawmakers have asked that Netflix be investigated for child pornography, not just the movie itself, but the making of the movie. Because it's not just a work of fiction. Actual girls were made to do those things in the movie. This isn't a documentary. This wasn't filming victims that were found. This was creating, hiring, recruiting, auditioning child porn victims for the delight of Netflix viewers. Say, do you think that Harvey Weinstein's casting couch in Los Angeles was the only place that would-be movie stars were raped. And what are the mothers who agreed to sell their children to this factory? I wonder what such a police investigation would find. Hollywood has always been full of accusations of rape and especially child rape. Everyone knows it's going on, but nobody would mention it or they'd be blackballed in the industry. Here's rock star Courtney Love back in 2005. She knew, they all knew, but they all made a deal with the devil, agree to be raped by him in return for a career. Some, of course, didn't agree to be raped. That's the real definition of rape, no consent. Some made a deal with him. Others didn't. And, of course, no child could consent to such a deal. Which adult permitted this teenager to be alone with him? But if you spoke out, well, here's what Courtney Love said. Although I wasn't one of his victims, I was eternally banned by CAA for speaking out against Harvey Weinstein. CAA is the big Hollywood talent agency, creative artists. <laughs> it's how you get work in Hollywood. So Hollywood was grooming young women, even teenagers, for the appetites of Harvey Weinstein. And do you think it was just him in that whole city of Hollywood? 
And the sex ed curriculum was grooming young girls as young as grade one for the appetites of Ben Levin. And do you think it was just him? And now Netflix makes its big move. Netflix just signed a massive, massive partnership with Michelle and Barack Obama. Why are they silent about this? They just signed a massive partnership with Meghan Markle and daft Prince Harry. Why are they silent about this? Prince Harry. <laughs> um, do you think they would actually speak out and lose the fire hose of Hollywood money like Courtney Love did? So the battle to normalize pedophilia has moved from the extremists like Desmond's abuse of parents and Ben Levin, the convicted pedophile, to the biggest force in Hollywood, Netflix, with no one less than the Obamas and the disgraced Sussexes there to give it their imprimatur. They would be like the assistants who booked Harvey Weinstein's suite at the Four Seasons and recruited the girls, happy to do it for the right paycheck. But with a 500-pound gorilla in Hollywood coming out for child porn, the whole Me Too backlash against Harvey Weinstein is immediately washed away. They never meant it. It was just for show. So it's safe for the pervs to return now. Look at this. This is from Slate. The creepy conservative obsession with Netflix's cuties explained. <laughs> Written by a male feminist. That's in Slate. So you see, it's not Netflix who are creepy. It's people who criticize Netflix. They're obviously the pervs here. That's what Slate says. I'm serious. Uh, Cuties Review. Netflix's controversial child exploitation film is bold, flawed, and misunderstood. That's from The Feminist Guardian, written by another male feminist. They love child sex movies. It's always men, isn't it? Harvey Weinstein was a male feminist too, remember? I guess they're not always men. This is from The Washington Post, the leading political newspaper in America. The people freaking out about cuties should try it. They might find a lot to like. Oh, oh really? That's Jeff Bezos' newspaper. Here's the New Yorker, not to be outdone. Cuties, the extraordinary Netflix debut that became the target of a right-wing campaign. <laughs> Written by another male feminist. Guys, if you're a male feminist who looks like this, Maybe don't write a review of a child porn film and gush that it's extraordinary. Why does the left like the hypersexualization of children? Surely they're not all pedophiles? Here's a tweet from Tulsi Gabbard, who ran in the Democratic presidential primary, but who was regrettably being sidelined by the party. She says, Netflix child porn cuties will certainly whet the appetite of pedophiles and help fuel the child sex trafficking trade. One in four victims of trafficking are children it happened to my friend's 13-year-old daughter. Netflix, you are now complicit. Cancel Netflix. Good for her. That's the normal response. It's not a right-wing, left-wing thing. It's a woman's thing, a mom's thing, and a response from the vast majority of men, or how it should be. Here's Christine Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, a filmmaker in her own right. She says, hi, Netflix. From a customer and former ADA in SFDA's Child Abuse Sexual Assault Unit, cuties hypersexualizes girls my daughter's age, no doubt to the delight of pedophiles like the ones I prosecuted. Cancel this, apologize, work with experts to heal your harm. You see, you can be a liberal and against child porn, but look at this weird reply. <clears throat> this is from a leftist. Tulsi going QAnon is the least surprising thing to happen in 2020. That's Melissa Ryan whose biography says, I organized to combat disinformation and extremism. Yeah, no, sister, you're condemning a woman who is against the sexualization of children. You're the extreme one. You're the disinformer. But what's this QAnon? 
I've talked a bit about QAnon or Q on my noontime show. It's a conspiracy theory. It's rumors and gossip and signs and trust the plan. It's a bit mystical to be candid. I don't buy into it. I don't see much harm in it other than this. If it's a placebo that's stopping you from doing real work to fix the world, as in if you're motivated by Q theories to actually go out there and do good things and work hard in the real world, that's great. A lot of Q people are avid Trump supporters, great, but don't replace hard work with fantasy daydreaming. That's my view. People don't like it when I tell them that, but I'm not really criticizing them. I'm just saying it feels like one of those old Dan Brown fictional historical fake books about the secrets of the Vatican or whatever. As I tell our reporters, the world is crazy enough without inventing conspiracy theories. How about we deal with the real stuff first? There's too much of it. But there are two things I'll say about QAnon. First of all, they are very strong against child trafficking. It's sort of a central part of their platform, if you could use that word, to which I say, good. You'd think everyone would be against child trafficking, but they're not. I don't know if you saw this incredible report by our own Drea Humphrey the other day. She was in an anti-child trafficking protest in Vancouver, and incredibly, someone came there to counter-protest. I don't get it. Donald Trump has made fighting against child trafficking a major priority with great success. Uh, here's a story um, from Georgia. Dozens of kids rescued in a single mission in Georgia. And here's another one from Ohio. Same news, really, just a week later. Trump is out there fighting the child sex predators. So what are the Democrats doing? I'm not even kidding. California's Democrats just approved, and their Democrat governor approved, just passed a law, saying that you don't have to register as a sex offender for having gay sex with a child as long as you're not more than 10 years older than the victim. So if, if the predator's 20 years old, and the child victim is 11 years old, you're now exempt from the sex offender registry. Why would they pass that law? I know that sounds crazy. Here is the law. I read it myself because I thought that can't be right. How could you pass that law? And it's just perfect that the politician who proposed the law is named Wiener. You couldn't make this up. If you pitch that as a movie, people say, oh, come on, it's too on the nose. That's the state of things now. So yeah, maybe QAnon, at least about protecting kids, isn't that crazy. And here's the one thing I'll say in defense of QAnon. It's really an alternative belief system. And why would anyone seek an alternative belief system? Well, because the people we're supposed to believe, they are not believable. Harvey Weinstein said he was a male feminist. He was actually a serial rapist. Bill Clinton, the media told us, did nothing wrong, but he flew countless times on Jeffrey Epstein's private jet to Epstein's pedophile island. <laughs> Bill Gates just didn't stop hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein. Why? Prince Andrew stayed friends with Epstein even after Epstein was convicted of sex offenses. Why? But it's not just them. They're just a few gross examples. My point is that the entire establishment was in on it, just like Courtney Love knew what everyone knew in Hollywood. She was just the only one who spoke out about it. Everyone knew what was going on with Jeffrey Epstein, but everyone was in on it in some way. Not, of course, everyone, but all the important people, the powerful people, the people we're supposed to trust, the people who controlled others, 
like this. And, um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail. And now it's all coming out. And it's like these new revelations. And I freaking had all of it. I, I, I'm so pissed right now. Like every day I get more and more pissed because I'm just like, oh my God, we, it was, um, what, what we had was unreal. Brad Edwards, the attorney three years ago saying like, aunt, like we, there will come a day where we will realize Jeffrey Epstein was the most prolific pedophile this country has ever known. And I had it all three years ago. Yeah. So they knew. But the story was killed. By whom? Epstein was finally jailed, but died in jail. And the cameras in his cell just happened to be off. And the police just happened not to be guarding at the moment. I'm sorry, you have to be a conspiracy theorist to believe that the official narrative was the true explanation there. How unmoored from reality do you have to believe that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide? Cameras malfunctioning. So QAnon has filled the void. The royal family, they've essentially fired Prince Andrew over all this. Looks like the conspiracy theorists were actually right about him. Courtney Love was actually right. All the guys writing about Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Clinton were right, even though they were all mocked as kooks. There is a cover-up of pedophilia. That's what Jeffrey Epstein was. He wasn't just into sex. He was into procuring child sex for powerful people. It was covered up by the politicians and the media and the experts most of whom are still around. Just like most of the women who got starring roles with Harvey Weinstein, well, they never actually complained. They ever, never actually said a peep, did they? They made their deal and they accepted it. We're supposed to not notice any of this? And to not notice that they're all against Trump and to not notice that they're all Democrats? Aaron O'Toole, the new conservative leader, made a modest tweet on the subject of cuties the other day. He said, I'm a dad who was deeply disturbed by this Netflix show. Childhood is a time of innocence. We must do more to protect children. This show is exploitative and wrong. I gotta tell you, it's a pretty normal thing to say. It's actually a pretty basic, bland thing to say. He doesn't even call for an investigation or for censorship. He just says he doesn't like the sexualization of young kids. That's, all, that's as far as he goes. And oh my God, did the Canadian male feminists explode at him. Big column in the Globe and Mail, their male feminist Movie reviewer took aim at O'Toole and said it was a false controversy. No problem at all if he does say so himself. And he watched the whole thing very carefully. Um, here's another male feminist, the Globe and Mail's TV reviewer. Is there something that Globe and Mail wants to tell us or, or, or actually doesn't want to tell us? Here's Chantalie Beer of the Toronto Star, a former Trudeau Foundation scholar. Why is she weighing in on it? Why is she retweeting a rival? That's really odd. Here's another woman, not sure why Canadian conservatives would want to hitch their wagon to the GOP on something like this, especially since it's clear the QAnon people have had a huge part in spreading the misinfo. She says, what, what misinfo? What misinformation? I mean, either these video images were in the movie or they weren't. What's the misinformation part? Why would Canadian conservatives not want to talk about this and protecting young girls, or more accurately, why would this liberal pundit want Canadian conservatives to stop talking about it? That's a good question. Why would any journalist try to shut down conversations about this? Did, did someone powerful tell them to? Or is there some personal fact they don't 
want to come to light? I, I just can't explain it. Why would you tell a dad, Aaron O'Toole, that he can't be disturbed about the sexualization of young girls? Why would you say that? And I couldn't help but see this headline over the weekend. There was a huge anti-mask, anti-lockdown rally in Montreal the other day. Largest one in Canada, 6,000 people. Haven't seen that anywhere else. And look at this weird, weird, weird CBC headline on that. Anti-mask protest in Montreal draws large crowd. Okay, I'm with you so far. Propelled by U.S. conspiracy theories? Pardon me, what? Yeah. Several thousand people gathered Sunday in downtown Montreal to hear speeches from conspiracy theorists and anti-vaccine activists. What, what are you talking about? I'll read some more. The most popular symbols of the protest, be it on t-shirts, placards, or flags, belong to QAnon, a far-right conspiracy theory started in the United States that claims a satanic pedophile cabal secretly controls the U.S. government, if not the entire world. Hang on. Is that really what the anti-lockdown rally was about? That's a lie. A lie to discredit the government's opponents. But the weird, weird emphasis on that. Hey guys, there's no, no pedophiles. That's crazy. That's a U.S. conspiracy. Certainly not one involving powerful people. Shut up, you um, American kooks. Like there's a lot of American organizers of a French language rally in Montreal about mask bylaws. What is going on with the CBC? Look, I am not a conspiracy theorist. I'll leave that to the kooks at the CBC who say that Russia installed Donald Trump and the weather has changed when you drive your car and that the Wuhan flu, which has killed 9,100 people in Canada, is the gravest threat to mankind ever. Well, I guess since last year when the regular flu killed um, 8,500 people. I'll leave the conspiracy theories to the CBC. But let me ask you this. If the powers that be, if the media, if politicians and judges and TV pundits and everyone we're supposed to trust actively hid Weinstein and Epstein and the pedophilia stories for a decade, when all our cultural leaders all come out in unison to praise a child porn movie, are you at all surprised that people are looking for an explanation other than the official one that the CBC gives you. Stay with us for more. You know, not a lot surprises me these days, let alone makes me laugh out loud, actually laugh out loud. How often does that happen? Well, I was reading a story on TNC.news, that's True North, our friends in the independent media, and I just got to read you these first few lines. I literally laughed out loud, and that doesn't happen often. Data shows that the CBC loves to talk about Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's hair and socks. In fact, the state broadcaster has dedicated 76 articles which mention either Trudeau's hair, his beard, or his hosiery. Out of 98 mentions in these articles, Trudeau's hair makes a total of 50 appearances. His socks are mentioned 43 times, and his beard is referenced five times. And here's when I laughed. In comparison, the CBC spent more time reporting on the Prime Minister's physical appearance than they did on the recent arrest of Liberal MP Marwan Tabara over assault and other serious charges. Tabara's name only nets 60 results on the CBC website. A number of former Liberals MPs who faced sexual harassment allegations were also relatively ignored, including 
Darshan Kang, who got 81 mentions, and Massimo Pacetti, who only received 73 hits. And the stats go on. I suppose it's not a, a laughter out of humor or joy, but just out of sputtering disbelief and, and to have it phrased that way. Well, joining us now is the author of this piece, Cosman Georgia, who writes for True North Cosman. I suppose, now that I read it again, if I went, <laughs> which I sort of did, it wasn't that it was mirthful. I wasn't saying, oh, I'm in such a great mood. I'm happy. It's like I watched a comedy, Dumb and Dumber, or something like that. Uh, the Dumb and Dumber here is how awful things are that you can actually do a study like this and come up with this result. That was what made me laugh. It was sort of a derisive laugh. Right. And it's kind of sad, really. Um, I laugh sadly about it, too, while writing the piece. But uh, I just wanted to mention, so your audience knows this, that that data in that piece is actually a conservative estimate. If you're to take into account uh, all the mentions on radio or on live TV, I suspect the number would actually be much higher than what was reported there. That's a great point. That's just what shows up on the official CBC search engine. It's right. not just sexual harassment issues. You mentioned the alleged RCMP spy, Cameron Ortis, which is a terrifying case. That's yeah. only been reported 41 times. There's so many serious matters that would embarrass the, C embarrass the liberals that are just given a pass. I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose if, if Donald Trump were to change his hair radically, there would be articles about it. They would just note the change. But I've read most of these socks articles and hair articles, and they're not. Donald Trump changed his trademark hairstyle today. Uh, you know, that would, I, I suppose that would be notable. It's just, he's so sexy. Hey, Mr. Mm -hmm. Prime Minister, what's it like to be so handsome? Oh, those are wonderful. Like, it's, it's pr praise and flattery, like from a fan, like a fan organization or something. Yeah, and there's also another element to that, right? Because a lot of those articles that actually mention Trudeau's hair, um, a portion of them complain about the conservative 2015 attack ad against Trudeau, which uh, I think infamously ended with nice hair, though. Yeah. So it's funny that the CBC spends so much time complaining about the conservatives, but when you actually add up all these mentions about Trudeau's appearance, whether it's his hair, whether it's his beard or his socks, it's quite a significant amount. I mean, I counted 76 articles. So in this industry, a lot of people get paid per article. So, you know, if you're to tally that up in terms of, uh, you know, amount of words people were paid for, I think that that might be a significant uh, amount of money uh, that comes out of the public coffers. The money is the least of it. I remember the first sock extravaganza in the CBC. Right. They sent a, reporty, a reporter named Aaron Wary to Davos, Switzerland for the World Economic mm -hmm. Forum. This was right after Trudeau was elected, his big splashy debut. It's where he met George Soros. It's where he met Kevin Spacey, all the creeps on the globalist left. And I remember reading that big, long story by Aaron Wary. It was, it was the work of a fanboy. I mean, it was so loving. It felt romantic, almost. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Aaron Wary is assigned to the Trudeau beat. So if you're such a fanboy that you're writing like the, the president of the fan club, you're not doing accountability journalism. Like this is the key CBC reporter assigned to Trudeau, and he's focusing on the trivia, on the glamour, if, if you could even call it that. How can you trust someone like that to be an accountability journalist if they've literally written about what a beautiful man 
Trudeau is. It's, it's a form of corruption. I mean, maybe have a silly article in the silly pages, but to have your chief liberal watcher writing this stuff, that's embarrassing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the objective of this piece and other pieces I've written is to kind of prove um, the CBC bias in, in a numerical uh, way using data, because that's hard to argue with. And, you know, the CBC is welcome to do their own count of, of how many times they've mentioned Trudeau's socks, uh, hair and beard. And uh, I'm willing to see those numbers. But I think that by doing this, by, by showing the figures, we can actually, you know, say gotcha, because a lot of people suspect that the CBC has a bias. But uh, for a while, there's it's been hard to prove. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, you know, I was talking to a former uh, CBC or fairly senior guy, and he said that um, it's been said of CBC editors that they regard themselves and carry themselves and think of themselves and act like, you know, like an assistant deputy minister in the bureaucracy. So the stories they assign, they sort of think, okay, we're part of the government team. The government has these priorities, global warming, um, pandemic lockdown, uh, anti-Americanism, gun control, Omar Carter. So there's a suite of policies that have to be moved forward. And whereas you might actually have the odd CBC journalists doing real reporting, I'm not saying there are none of them, but the decision makers, the boss of the national, like an important middle manager, the guy who's in charge of CBC's The National, or the guy who decides the lineup for their power and politics show, they think of themselves as, well, I am sort of an honorary member of, maybe not cabinet, but of a senior civil service rung. That's who I am. That's the mindset, that's the corporate culture in the CBC. Of course, yeah, and they set the agenda, right? Uh, the people, the producers or whoever's on top and arranging, you know, what's what's mentioned in that day. And I think it was on Friday, the national, uh, CBC is the national, uh, they failed to mention one of the biggest stories of that day, which was the uh, former liberal MP, I think from Brampton, I, I forget the fellow's name, but uh, he, he received several criminal charges and there was, Absolutely no mention. And this show brands itself as, you know, the, you know, the roundup of, of that day's stories. But why it wasn't mentioned, that's a question left to be answered. Yeah, I think that was Raj Graywall. I want to make sure I, I got the name right yeah. there. Who I believe you're correct. Who was gambling with absurd amounts of money while he had a hand in developing government policy on financial matters. He was charged with fraud and breach of trust. We don't know all the facts there, but... What came out was shocking. The police were spying on him. He was borrowing shocking amounts of money and gambling it all away, but he's in a position of trust. Um, yeah, why is that as interesting as Trudeau's socks? You know what bothered me? Is it's bad enough that the CBC acts like fanboys, but that encourages Trudeau. He's obsessed with his social media. So when he sees the CBC writing dozens of stories about it, that's a positive feedback loop for him. He says, oh, this is a good thing. It gets me positive stories. And, and so I'll never forget this image here of when Trudeau was at a NATO meeting with Angela Merkel. And whatever else you think of Angela Merkel, and I don't have much regard for her, she is a deadly serious woman. In fact, I don't know if she has ever laughed. She is a grave woman who deals with grave issues. And Trudeau... The first thing he does when he meets her is he says, look at my socks, look at my socks, look at my socks. And all these heavy, heavy hitters. And I, I'm against Merkel. 
But I can't deny she is a, the leading politician of the continent. And Trudeau's first move is, look at my socks, guys. Because the CBC, which ought to at least ignore it, if not crit criticize its childishness, rewards it. So when Trudeau leaves the bubble of Canada and goes to meet a serious person, he doesn't know how to behave. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I remember when ta I tallied up the different references to socks, there was adjectives like, you know, rainbow socks, uh, Star Wars themed socks, Chewbacca socks, all kinds of, of phrases. And um, it was quite a colorful assortment. Yeah, I mean, if you're, I mean, I understand you want to be hip, new, new generation. You're talking to Teen Beat. You're talking to some, you know, I don't think even, I don't know if much music is even around, but you're talking to something young. Okay, make talk about Star Wars, that's really cool, but compartmentalize that. I think there is no other compartment for Trudeau. It's always childishness and selfies and the socks. That's not him pretending to be young and hip. That's all there is. So I suppose in that way, Trudeau covering the heck out of, uh, sorry, CBC covering the heck out of Trudeau's hair and socks. Maybe that actually is showing us the real Trudeau there is. Last word from you, Cosmo. it's nice to have you on the show. I think it's the first time you've been here. We're thrilled that you're with our friends at True North. Tell me some of the other stuff you do over there. What's your beat at True North? I'll make sure our folks are keeping an eye peeled for it, as will I. Uh, sure. So officially, I'm a senior researcher. I tackle sort of like data journalism projects. The last project we did uh, that took off as well. It was a similar concept, but we compared the coverage of uh, Kamala Harris and Leslin Lewis uh, who was the conservative leadership candidate, as you know. And it, uh, we showed that the CBC's coverage of Kamala Harris, who is the U.S. vice presidential pick of, of Joe Biden, actually totally overshadowed her, uh, Leslie Lewis's uh, coverage by a mile. And this is, you know, the first um, black woman to run for, for the leadership of a party. And it was basically ignored. So if you like coverage like that or, or similar stories, you can check us out there. I remember your story. You know what? Um, Rosemary Barton, Trudeau's platonic girlfriend over at CBC, she tweeted defensively, oh, well, we ran a profile of her. I clicked the link. Right. It was one minute and 45 seconds. It was just sort mm -hmm. of boil. One minute and 45 seconds. That's all they did. And so many stories about Kamala Harris in a different country because that's the liberal CBC agenda. Well, I think you're doing great work. Thanks for taking the time to Thank come you. on our show. I look forward to following your stories. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ezra. All right, there you have it, Cosman Georgia. You heard it. He's the reporter at TNC.News who focuses on data, which is a good way to do things. Stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back to my monologue on 9-11. Bruce writes, another good show tonight, Ezra. I feel sad that today's young adults are so clueless about recent history. And like you said in your 2010 speech, it's freedom that was and still is under attack. Yeah, I'm, I'm really sad about it. I remember growing up as a kid and barely knowing what Vietnam was about. I mean, World War II was still a big thing and we learned it in school, but I didn't know much about Vietnam. And that was sort of right when I was born. I think that millennials... And Generation Z, who was born right around then, I don't think they know anything about 9-11. It makes me scared, actually. And those who did know say, oh, I'm not going to say who was right and wrong. That was perhaps the scariest part. 
On my interview with Felon McAleer on his new movie, Obamagate, Paul writes, I have the Gosnell DVD, great movie. I'd recommend it. The new project sounds great as well. Oh, you know what? Felum and Anne are so prolific, pro, uh, prolific, excuse me, and productive. I was combining prolific and productive. They are both. Uh, it's such a pleasure to see, and he really is the um, pioneer in crowdfunding alternative media. I really did uh, have the confidence to start Rebel News when I saw what he did with Gosnell. Well, thanks for watching, everybody. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.